Hey, Steve. Hey, Chris. So, what did you think of The Last Jedi again? Again. <laughs> I, you know what? I really liked it. You liked it? You saw the it a second, second time. time. I saw it a second time, time, and I liked it. The, the first time I saw it, I had a lot of feelings, and some of them were good feelings, and some of them were bad feelings. And I remember, see, we, we went to see it together. This is actually before the New Year, before Christmas. You and I saw it together on opening night because you got me a ticket. I was all, because those that might remember, I'm not a big fan of The Force Awakens. I didn't really like it. But, you know, I saw The Last Jedi, and afterwards I was like, you know, that wasn't bad. That was actually pretty good. I think people are going to love this. And we walk out of the theater, and you're like, I'm not sure. And I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> you're the one that liked Force Awakens, and this one, you... you you're not sure? Yeah. So, I think what, what made the difference for me um, is... So, I think everyone has agreed that there's a middle section of the film that's sort of focused on the what you might, might be the B-plot. Um, yes. And that's probably the weakest part of the film. There's the, the most things to nitpick. There are... There's some decision. If you listen to some of the creators, the idea was that a lot of these these decisions and plot lines were driven for the sake of the characters, but the things they do don't necessarily make sense and don't necessarily work out very well on screen, yeah. um, especially not in the way you want it to in a Star Wars film. And I think that part, we all knew that part was a little bit weak. And on my second viewing, that part still felt weak, even though I, there were some nitpicks that I sort of got over. What worked for me the second time was the main plot involving Rey, Luke, and Kylo Ren, where I really thought, coming back into it, that that was... It was incredible. I thought it was some of the best material we've seen in a Star Wars film, dramatically and personally and emotionally. Uh, I, really, I really think that... And so, that's the first time I was really confused about that, about how I felt. <laughs> um, I think are we? We're already how, we're almost a month past. Can we just talk about spoilers, or do we need to give a spoiler warning? Um, I think we can, but first I do want to. Well, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll get into the spoilers. Yeah, I, wanna, you know, I, I, I just want to comment and say. I've only seen the film once, and I won't be seeing it again until, like, either someone comes over with a DVD like, hey, or, you know, it's on Netflix, or it's on Amazon, maybe I'll rent it when it's cheap to rent on Amazon, because um, at this point I'm not a huge Star Wars fan. I, I like Star Wars, I love the original trilogy, but otherwise it's like, eh, I don't really care much. Um, and with The Last Jedi... I, I, I feel like the moments that you say work well in a second viewing and then the moments that are still kind of a drag, like they, they aren't improved, that's kind of what I expected. Like there's the B-plot, which because of the logical loopholes, I feel like the logical loopholes will only become bigger and wider on repeat viewings. Yeah, and, that's... and maybe, you know, I imagine there's a lot of people that for a variety of reasons... Um, are, are able to like okay whatever I, I have either I, I can rationalize it to make sense or I just don't care enough um, and yet then there's the, the, the A plot which for me that's where I feel the repeat viewing would be most valuable where, where it would be most effective 
because, especially because the the film relies so much on misdirection. Mm. Um, everything you think is going to happen, and what what was Luke's line? Like, this isn't going to go the way you think, which is itself a lot more overly dramatic in what it's kind of prophesying. But you you have a movie that's constantly trying to make you think it's going one way, but then it veers the other. And in that regard, I felt like that would be the real test of the movie. Like, if I can watch all of that, and it feels like it still makes sense despite the misdirection. Because a lot of movies are designed to have, like, the big twist, and yet after you watch it again, you're suddenly figuring out all the ways the twist doesn't work. And and that I think that is one of the things that really works in The Last Jedi, is the, the way that that... I think all those characters, the developments and the and the characters and their actions, to me, it, the mo- you can clearly see the motivations. Um, the The film might be trying to misdirect you, but it's also giving you the all of the pieces you need to put it together yourself. Um, in especially the the climax of the film is so heavily telegraphed in in that section that you almost wonder how you missed it the first, first time, time. Yeah. <laughs> that they uh, there's there's just this, these big misdirects and it seems so obvious when you watch it again um, and there, there's a couple scenes like that and and I thought it really played well the, the second time where right where that B plot, Things, some things I said, ah, yeah, I felt like this the first time, but I kind of get it the second time, and some things were just, no, this is completely just the worst. All right, and I think normally, normally, like, jump in in six minutes and be like, sorry, spoilers from here on is kind of unfair for some people, but this is Star Wars. If you wanted to see it, you've seen it by now. And it's. And if you didn't want to see it, you've probably read the spoilers by now, even out of curiosity. And there's really. You really can't talk about the movie without spoiling anything. Because. Not without being really weird and vague like we've been so far. Right. I mean, it's just like. This person dies. This person doesn't die. All of those things are surprising. <laughs> uh, so. That's right, Chewbacca dies. No, no. No, Chewbacca doesn't lie. die. They drop a moon on him. Uh, no, he was eaten by porks. Oh, the porks. That's right. <laughs> um, no, um, but yeah, at this point on, let's we're, we're going to do the spoiler cut off here. So turn back, all ye who went, oh, all ye who want, wish to avoid spoilers. Snoke dies, Luke dies. Finn doesn't die, Leia doesn't die. What? Why are you going to jump it out like that? <laughs> This people, is weird. The people who didn't pause or stop wanted the spoilers, so I gave them all the spoilers. Oh my goodness! Anyways, uh, jump, jumping in. Okay, it sounds like you 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 have a lot you want to say because again, you saw it twice. Um, I've only seen it the once. Yeah, and I've kind of also I've talked about it with a bunch of different people, and I've heard some really interesting perspectives. Well, I know one of our mutual friends, Justin, like he's big into Star Wars, including. Like he he's like an encyclopedic knowledge of the extended universe, or am I being? Yeah. Uh, no, he's he's a big EU guy. So I think he's read a lot of the books since multiple times. Uh, I'm I'm a little bit over from there, where you know I've seen all the movies countless times, including the Force Awakens, including the prequels. Um, I've played most of like you know the Star Wars games, 
uh, you know, Dark Forces, Jedi Knight, Jedi, Jedi Academy, Knights of the Old Republic, um, etc., where I spent a lot of time with those games and other things in the universe. I've read some of the comics. Um, I think it says a lot about me that the, even when it comes to video games, the only ones I've played are Super Star Wars on the Super Nintendo, Republic Commando, which really, really needed a sequel, um, and... Some of Force Unleashed, and that was not a very good game. Oh, Force Unleashed, yeah. I played that. Force Unleashed is a good game. You're crazy. I am not crazy. It was a very buggy, awful game. Oh, yeah. Okay, was... maybe not awful. I guess for some people it was playable. For me, it was not. But anyways, we're not here to talk about the Force Unleashed. We are here to talk about The Last Jedi. So, so anyway, so I'm a, I'm a big Star Wars fan. I'm not as big as our friend Justin. And he had a lot of issues... And I think part of this, and this is, I think a lot of the fans, you had issues with expectations. And I think that that's actually a good way to break up the two main problems people are having with these films. I think the one problem is expectations, and the other problem is the actual problems with the film. Hmm, interesting. And I th- actually, I think it's especially interesting because, like, some people... We actually joked about it last time, where it's like the idea that, it, that you know, oh, I hate the, or, or rather, no, 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 it's like, I love The Force Awakens because of the same thing, or complain, like, I feel like, like for me, it's like a re- weird mirror universe. Right. I disliked The Force Awakens because it was an attempt to recreate A New Hope without understanding what makes A New Hope actually tick. Um, mm-hmm. And meanwhile, The Last Jedi, I still, I, I mean... People are rolling their eyes at people like me now, but it's like, I still don't think it's as good as any of the prequel. Uh, the, the, not, uh, sorry, okay. It's not as good as any of the original movies, the four through six. Um, but it's the best Star Wars movie we've had since Return of the Jedi. I mean, at least that is... I can I can get on board with that because a lot of people are saying this is the, the like a lot of people are saying this is the best Star Wars movie. I don't agree. Um, there's a lot of people saying you it's know the worst Star is, Wars movie. This is at least better than Return of the Jedi, and it's like okay, I can see that even though I don't agree. Um, but that's like a you know which which flaws bother yeah. you least kind of situation. And for the Last Jedi. I completely forgot what my point was, so take it away, Steve. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So, so I think I think that's where we're talking about the expectations versus the actual. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And for the Last Jedi, like I was expecting it to be a retread of Empire, and when it wasn't, I actually really liked what they were trying to do with it because, again, they did a lot of misdirections that were very intentional. They did hit a few of the notes you'd expect, but. A lot of it was with purpose. Like, this was a film that had a specific purpose in mind when it was written. Even though it is, at this point, uh, Star Wars is fully postmodern. It is about itself. As my brother, a friend of mine in Delaware, like, Mm. other people I've spoken with have said. That's an interesting point. Yeah, that is is basically right. Star Wars can't be about it. And the Red Letter Media guys say, Star Wars is is about nothing but Star Wars now. Hmm. That's an... Interesting. Uh, I have to think about that for a minute. Star Wars is about nothing. I mean, think Star about Wars. the Last Jedi. No, the Last Jedi is all about the fandom. It's all about killing your sacred cows in Star Wars specifically, right? And it's all about those expectations of by expecting it to be well, just see, a retread. And I feel like this to, to some way, to some degree, 
it's wrapped up in that. Um, but then on the other hand, I think it stands alone. Like that's that's one of the difficult things with the discussion. Is does it? Part of my question is where I get frustrated. Does it stand alone as a as a story? So if you're just coming in from a vacuum, and the, maybe the first Star Wars, you're watching the new trilogy, you've never seen the prequels, you've never seen it, so you get introduced to these ideas. Luke Skywalker is this mysterious, legendary, is he even real, Jedi Knight? Um, the Force is this thing that Rey has and Kylo Ren has that lets you stop blaster bolts and tear into people's minds. And... Luke Skywalker shows up, and he's nothing like anybody expected. He's not this legend. He's this washed-up, cranky, cantankerous old geezer, basically, who drinks green milk out of these weird sea cows. I thought it was blue milk. It was kind of bluish-greenish. The blue milk is, is the bantha milk from Tatooine. So this time it's green milk. It's greenish, at least. Anyway, and so, um, who then in the story actually manages to, to turn it all back around and be and become the legend that people thought he was. Like I think I think that's part of what makes the movie work for me is I think it it holds up in in, in a vacuum essentially. I think that right there's there's a layer of the movie where it is about itself. The movie it's is the characters in the movie are talking about letting the past die. And they're telling the audience, you know, okay, the, the original trilogy was the original trilogy, and we need to let that die and make room for new characters and new adventures. Um, I mean, and then there's, a, there's another layer where it's just, it's just about, it's, it works, it's, it makes sense for the characters. And I think that's one of the things that makes it good for me. Good, I can see, but I'm not sure about great when you speak about standing alone. Um, I think it's a movie that upon repeat viewings, you know, like if you've never seen anything Star Wars, don't know anything about it, first viewing, of course there's going to be moments where you're like, who are these characters? What, what's going on? Right. But upon repeat viewings, you get the gist of it because the film gives you enough to go off of naturally. Like some of it is exposition, like Luke explaining the Force. And then you have... Um, just, but then it's like, well, who's Chewbacca? Like, do they even say Leia and Luke are brother and sister? Or what's the, the, the inference there? Um, right. I don't remember. They, I think they might because of the Kylo Ren stuff. Right. I mean, it might be something you could infer, but that, that's the thing. Like, whether it's standalone or not, um, I think, yeah, you could have a movie that you'd sit down and you'd watch and you'd enjoy. Whether it would become this big thing for you or not, though, I'm not sure. Right. But that's and that's that, a whole yeah, other obviously, yeah, obviously, I don't think I don't think this is going to. But if this were the first, right, right. it tells a complete story start to finish because I'm I'm actually getting distracted now because right. I'm thinking of different semantics. You what you mean is it, does this need another? Like does this tell a complete story arc? Like do the characters grow? Do they have like a, anything that they like? Right, obviously, the movie the all. movie starts. What's the word? Where uh, the plot stop starts in the middle of the action. Um, but uh, right, I think in media res. I, in media res. Thank you. Um, you have you have characters who are defined and who develop in the context of the movie. Um, and again, obviously, it works better with the Force Awakens. And I also, argue the Force Awakens suddenly gets better 
after The Last Jedi, like, we, we retconned it and it's a better movie now. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, I wouldn't disagree with that, but I kind of do disagree with that because I, I, for me, nothing will save The Force Awakens. Go watch it again. <laughs> um, yeah, so, right, there's all of this, and the movie, you have to say, admit something, for all the discussion, even among people who hate it, the movie has to be something for all of the, the discussion to happen. If it were just a big dumpster fire, nobody would care. People would just be like, Star Wars is dead now, and I hate it. We wouldn't be talking about, well, Star Wars is dead because the context <laughs> of the, the meta context of the film is really just turning itself back around to Star Wars and like... Hey, I never said it was dead. Right. I'm not, I'm not saying that you're saying it's dead. I'm just saying other other people... Disney will never let it die. Let's well, no. be honest. As long as they can still sell lunch boxes. Yes. And what's, what's of course, this is a total tangent here, but having children when merchant, seeing merchandising and other things, part of the problem here is that the bad guys... Are what's always prominently featured because they look cooler than the good guys. Like I figured, everything was. I mean, that's one of the, the. That was one of the happy accidents of the island they filmed on, having the the, the puffin penguins. The puffins, yeah. Which they turned into yeah, uh, the porgs, and it's like, well, that's a perfect like new merchant. Like that's a, here we go. We have a toy now. Right, we I mean, have a new book bag. I mean, it's like this movie's BB-8. But I, I feel like things like the the book bags and the lunch boxes and the pajamas and whatever else, like, are more heavily slanted towards Kylo Ren, Captain Phasma, stormtroopers. Like, nobody wants to buy a pair of pajamas that just has like Finn's face on it, or like Poe Dameron, like. You might be right, and that's also this is another issue that's something that they I think they really have failed to do. They haven't created any really cool new imagery. Um, well, okay, see, I, I do have the to X kind of, wing. It's the X I wing, right? I do have right? to kind of disagree with you, um, partially because okay, okay, in some ways I agree with you, but when it comes to like the characters and stuff, I think you're right when it comes to Finn and Poe. But then, I mean, they, they show it in the commercials. You can see footage at conventions. They are really selling the character design of Rey. Oh, yeah, no, okay. They definitely want to sell, like... I mean, she's got a completely different get-up in this one than she did in the last one. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Rey is, of the good guy characters, Rey is the only one I feel like they're trying to sell from a merchandising perspective. And that's, that's really yes. connecting. Like, I'm thinking about... Like, there's, there's also, there's a couple different worlds, right? There's toys are a different world from broader merchandising. Where, right, where people want, Ray, Ray's big on toys in the toy mart. I mean, like. Finn's just got a regular leather jacket as opposed to the vest of Han Solo. Right. Uh, there is, I mean, you've already got Chewbacca, but he's new jacket down. Finn's got, wait, does Finn have a new jacket? Never mind. It's, it's from The Force Awakens, when Rey, or Leia and Han could have meet mind. again. Never mind. Re, Re, Leia says, new jacket. He says, same jacket. I don't... I saw the movie once. Okay, whatever. Never go again. away. Go away. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no, we, I get what you're saying. So, yeah. Finn's got the jacket, which is not really that. But, yeah, I mean... Poe has the black X-Wing. Ro- Rose is in a, a jumper... Well, I don't know. Maybe maybe there's a little girl that wants to work on cars and is like, that's what I'm no, going to work on my dad's car. I don't that's know. cool. But I mean, like, in terms of 
the the toy aisle. Ray is the only good guy character or whatever. It does have the distinct look. Right. Well, that's also this kind of dominating the toy aisle. Um, Versus the bad guys, you have Captain Phasma is a very iconic look. Right. Uh, Kylo Ren has his own iconic look. Right. And the light, the Kylo Ren lightsaber, um, which is like this the, cool the, new yeah, thing. Yeah. We're, we're two movies into this trilogy, and Rey has the same lightsaber that we've seen for what? Like seven movies at this point? Yeah. Oh no, he's did, and again, either way, did he have an Attack of the Clones? Either either way, it's it's been at least five movies that we've had the same lightsaber. Whereas Kylo Ren, you know, gets this cool super hill, super hill guard. And that's another thing. I felt like, to some degree, Ryan Johnson took these moves that take away from the merchandising, and they take away from certain aspects of the the series, like. Kylo Ren smashes his mask like five minutes into the film. Yeah, because he wants to get rid of that connection. I mean, because again, it's about those sacred cows. It's like the, the right. whole reason Kylo Ren had a mask was because Darth Vader had a mask. And what Rian Johnson is doing is saying, you know what? We don't need another Darth Vader. Let's let's right. destroy let's that. Do our own thing. Right. So that's and I think and that's, yet at the same time, see, that's another interesting thing because at the same time, yes, you destroy. And I'm sorry to cut you off, but at the same time. And this is what gets me about the film, because a lot of people think... Well, okay, I don't want to say a lot of people, but a lot of the detractors against the film uh, that I've listened to have a very sincere idea that Rian Johnson... Or Ryan, Ryan Johnson, Johnson, I'm sorry. I, it's, I, know, I, I read it before I, saw, I heard yeah, it. Yeah, so, same thing. Um, believe he is trolling people. And that this is sort of like Star Wars is awful now or something like in the film. But I don't think so because then you have um, one of the things that I really like in the turn with Kylo Ren is you know, you know, Rey's never going to turn. And you know they're not going to resolve Kylo Ren and right like, oh, Kylo's a good guy now. You know they're not going to resolve that. So what they instead did was take Darth Vader's Join Me and Together We Can Rule the Galaxy and that's exactly what Kylo does. That's exactly his plan. But it's repetition, it's fulfillment, but it's done differently because there's... Like, what's the big reveal? Your parents are nobodies. Right. Um, and oh my god, I'm just... Not I weird. didn't even connect that before. And it's like, yeah, that's a direct callback to Empire. To, I am your father. You're, yeah. No. Well, you're not your part of this dynasty. You're nobody. Your but parents yeah, are nobody. But yeah, together you're, we can rule the galaxy. Come on, I just killed Snoke. You're you're my brother cousin's. But let's uncle. go kill my mom. It's, you're my brother's cousin's uncle's roommate. So what does that yeah. make us? Absolutely nothing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Spaceballs called it first. Um, yeah, and, and I her think, Schwartz is as big as his. Oh my. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm. <wow. laughs> so something I wanted to. to mentioned before that I, I kind of got sidetracked is one of the things this do, movie does well as you're talking about the, you know, the callback to um, Empire Empire and other things is in the same it does things well that the prequels did well and I know people are going to be like the prequels did something well but if you think about a lot of the structure of particularly Phantom Menace and um, well, more, more so Attack of the Clones um, if you Attack of the Clones in particular does a lot of things that Empire does. It splits up the main cast. It, um, you know, it it 
cuts off somebody's hand. Um, you know, like the, the the final epic you know battle that the heroes lose, the Dooku escapes. You're left with this sort of wistful feeling and all of that. It's an uneasy feeling too. It's like yeah, they like, end with the the, the wedding. Is what yeah, the do. wedding, but it's still kind of uneasy. Partially because you know what's coming, right? And and so and it it, it managed to evoke elements of an empire of an empire the empire strikes back without doing what the force awakens did which was to overly copy a new hope i think that's a good thing about the last jedi where things like this scene say oh yeah that's a parallel that connects to this but it never at no point do you feel like uh, like and some of it too is because ryan johnson was stuck there right like J.J. Abrams left them on that island. Ray needs to learn something of the Force. So in some ways, you got to do that Je- Dagobah callback. you got to do some of this stuff, but you don't really... And, and also, like they, they, they changed the chase around because the Empire is trying to chase the Rebellion, but it feels more like they're just chasing the Millennium Falcon. I don't completely remember how it goes. It's been a while. Like, here, here's also His hyperdrive is busted. Yes. And they chase him and he hides in the asteroid field. And then they get to Cloud City. But now we have a chase that's... Honestly, the chase is a lot less interesting. Much but, less interesting. That was yeah. pretty much the... La- and it's sort of like... It played with some of this Star Wars tech that's kind of like... The cruisers are faster than Star Destroyers. And they have shields. And the Star Destroyers can't hit them at range. And it's a little weird. So, well, that brings me... To one of the one of the things that on my second viewing and subsequent discussion, I do see as a major flaw in the movie, and that is Poe Dameron. I think that everything about the plot developments around Poe Dameron is is wrong. So Poe Dameron is single handedly responsible for decimating the resistance. His orders result in the destruction of the bomber fleet and the loss of several other lives and ships. His telling Finn and Rose within the company of DJ that Holdo is loading up the ships results in DJ betraying that information to the Empire and blowing up all but, what, two of the transports or something like that that reach the surface? But granted, the, the, what people have said based off of the film, because they say they have other allies out there, that it's not the last, like, this is not the, what remains of right. the resistance. Right, right. I think in the official materials, the rest of his post squadron was already gone. Um, and if you watch in the opening crawl, it mentions that the First Order is, is supposed to be now launching attacks all over the galaxy to seize Republic systems. So you get the idea from. If you're referencing that, then maybe the reason nobody gets back to Leia is that everyone They're else who would be attacked. in the Resistance is, is getting is also under attack and in, and in a similar situation. Um, but but you get this idea that what you see on screen that Poe has by his actions just completely wrecked the Resistance in this movie. Um, Poe commits a mutiny. And he gets, you know, Leia stunned with a blaster. I bet, I bet Leia really liked getting to do that to somebody, right? Because that happens to her. Oh in yeah, the first, the first movie, movie. In the first movie, Leia gets stunned. stunned yeah. 
and then she gets to shoot Poe with it. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. That was a nice little 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 switcheroo there. Little, um, and then she's like rubbing his cheek, like, "Oh, he's so cute. He's a mutineer, and he got us all killed, but he's so cute." That, that's kind of how I feel about that scene. I, I, I get that, and so I feel like. But then on the other hand, what if the dreadnought that he wasted all of the bombing fleet and everything else destroying, what if the dreadnought had jumped through? That's never addressed in the movie. They all would have been toast. So you got this yeah. idea where by some ways you could say, okay, well, Poe saved them, but then Poe is the reason everybody got wrecked. And Well, it's, and a, diff- so it's a difficult line to discuss because in my mind, Nobody's in the right with that plot line. Right. Like, that's one of the reasons. It's like nobody's really acting intelligently. And um, I think that's and, part of the, yeah. and it's also like, like I, I kind of understand what they're trying to do. Like with Laura Dern's character, if you were to make her, like, like, we've seen that character stereotype up until we find out that she's actually got altruistic intentions, kind of a deal. Right. Like up until then. They're portraying her as we've seen how many even male commanders in, in all right. these military movies. It's the, the 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 dude that doesn't know what they're doing. It's the lieutenant from Aliens. The the right. person in charge doesn't know what they're doing. Um, doesn't like just, just tells the grunt shut up and sit down. You know, th- like that's not your like, your job isn't to think, soldier. And then they get proven wrong. Only this time we do the flip. There is the socio political aspect to it, which. I don't want right. to touch, but and, and in, so in, in Poe's position, it's like I'm sorry. It looks like you don't know what you're doing. Right. And this is that's that's a plot line that can only work once. Right. And I think the sec the subsequent viewings, as you have done, like the subsequent viewings, you're going to watch and you're going to be like, yeah, her decisions make no sense. And Poe is going to look like a jackass. And to me, it's like but, you know how you know how to resolve the situation. You have a spy on board. Right, you could, and maybe she don't. She does not trust any of his plans. But I could like, have some conflict that makes sense. Yeah, that's, where you, you know, like, why again, would you the, tell Poe anything? We have a spy on board, and I can't trust anyone. I don't know you. You're a hotshot. Who knows who you're going to tell? Right, and then Poe comes up with his own plan. Well, yeah, maybe maybe that's that could be part of it. I just I, and I get some other things. A lot of people have said, well, that should have been Akbar. They should have left Akbar alive. And let him be the one, let him, you know, fly the ship at light speed and all this other stuff. But the problem with doing that, and you, you kind of touch on this, is that you need it to be somebody that you're unsure about. Akbar would have been you know trusted. Right, you know Akbar is is a good commander. Well, do we? I mean, he says it's a trap and that's about it. And what he says is, like, the whole reason it's a trap is a joke is because it's, like, stating the obvious. Right. Well, but it's, he's... He's a sort of like a a well he's a known for, quantity. He's a, he's a well loved character too, despite the fact that he's you know he and has like a universe, minute of screen time. Yeah, he has a minute of screen time. The extended universe probably has him doing this like impressive like parsec maneuver or something like that. The parsec maneuver. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, a parsec can mean anything in Star Wars. This is true. No, I, I think right, but but so by having having a new character, I actually think. I understand some of the the discussion around the feminism and the it being a female character. I don't want to get deep into that, but I think one one by making it unknown quantity, 
her an unknown yeah an unknown quantity and two by by making her female and creating an extra level of tension between her and Poe Poe's kind of like who's this chick that's an admiral and and I think that adds a little bit of something into that but I just think the way that everyone acts and the way that you're obviously remembering that there is a writer here who is writing all of these things as to how they happen it's not just events happening like people actually acting that it just it doesn't make a lot of sense nobody comes out looking good and I feel like for a movie whose major theme seems to be about community and cooperation and working together everybody does a really bad job of that yeah and I I have seen uh, oh boy this could sound very 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 bad either way um I have seen so if, you, if, if you say it and it sounds bad we can edit it out we can edit it out because I've, I've seen online one of the things that people have said is that every woman in this film turns out to be correct or t- turns out to be right about something and yet I can't help but think of when you consider Rose's actions in trying to save Finn he is definitively going to go and destroy this laser She almost kills the both of them, says love will save us, and then she is lucky. Like, she did not know Luke was coming. She is lucky. So it's like... She almost condemned everyone to die. Is this how how we want to portray films where everything happens to be correct, rather than the characters making actual informed decisions? Right, where it's like, and that's where it's, and, it's, and that's where I think that's where a lot of this discussion breaks down is that, I, for the most part, I mean, that's even the most stereotypical. I mean, right, it's a very oh, stereotypical. Like, uh, like, I, love you, so, I love you, us. so I'm not going to let you sacrifice yourself. That is a very emotional decision. It's like I'm and reminded of the end of X Men First Class. Where all Moira can remember is a kiss, and all the men in the boardroom are like, "Oh, of course, it's a woman." And it's like, yeah. you just, Ryan Johnson, that's what you just did. You just yeah. did that stereotype. Come on, no. But I, th- I guess what it is, I feel like for the most part, and just kind of stepping, taking a step back and looking at it, you could gender swap like all of these situations yeah, and essentially tell the same story. If Poe Dameron. Was a hotshot female pilot. Yeah. If he's if he's Starbuck from New Battlestar Galactica, yeah. it, it comes off the same way against a male commander as it probably would have between the two of them. Um, you, you swap Finn and Finn and Rose. Um, I, it's still generally I mean, you still got to. It would be a little bit. The, the, the whole tasing scene would probably not go off as well. There's a a few different elements of it that, like, of that whole gender swap thing. Because, I mean, uh, uh, I hate the current social political scene. I really do. Well, I know. I I obviously don't feel safe discussing anything. If you if you gender swap (laughs) Kylo Ren and Snoke, um, nothing happens. Um, There's just two chicks. Right, I mean, like, swapping them as in, like, not just two chicks, but, like, I was saying, like, swapping, like, like, yeah, I guess it would just be two chicks. I was thinking, like, swapping as in, <laughs> as in Poe and Holdo, like, making Ho- Poe a female and Holdo male, or Finn and Rose, like, flipping. 
So yeah, they would just be both female, I guess. But anyway. No, no, Kylo Ren and... You said Kylo Ren and Snoke. Yeah, so Kylo Ren and Snoke, that they would just... Yeah, you, if you switched them, there wouldn't be like... My hands are moving and you can't see them on the, <laughs> through the podcast. John uh, Cena, you can't see me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but anyway, I... So for a, for a lot of reasons, I don't... I don't see this movie as being some kind of really feminism-driven thing. I, I don't know. It's definitely in there. Um, I mean, that's it's part of what they're trying to do with Star Wars for everyone because they want to make Star Wars for a new generation of kids because Disney needs that sweet, sweet money. Um, they want to. The parents want to bring Star Wars to their kids because. I want my kids to feel the wonder that I did at this thing. Yeah. I want to live vicariously through my children. Um, and because the only real major female character in the original trilogy, like, I mean, yeah, there's Mon Mothma, but... I, she's not a major character. She's not a major character. No. Um, she, 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 Yeah, it's Leia. It's, it, it's just Leia. So they want to have more than just Leia. They want to have um, characters in all kinds of roles... But, and, and they also want to have more than just Lando Calrissian. It's like, how like can we get other um, like major? Yeah. And now I do see the Return of the Jedi as really being the start of that. If you if you look back, so you are, you have Mon Mothma, who's sort of the I don't know what her position was, but she's sort of seems like she's the one in charge of everything. She seems like she's in at, charge of the, the yeah. rebellion. Yeah. And some of it, some of it's budgetary, but you see a much more diverse. All different kinds of aliens and humans, and you have um, so that you know you're basically your three main guys who destroy the the Death Star. You've got um, Wedge, Lando Calrissian, and Yenda. So you've got a white guy, a black guy, and an alien, right? Like so, you kind of alien like, that might be a really bad Asian stereotype. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> But so, but you see a lot. I feel like that's where you start. You started seeing a lot more like that was something that Star Wars wanted to bring was that this isn't just about like, you know, white guys. It's not just humans, and it's not just what. Yeah, right. It's right, and and that's fine. Like I think I think that is something that's part of of Star Wars DNA is, and you see that in the last shot in the Last Jedi. Something I kind of noticed again is it's a very like motley. Like there's not even two of the same kind of aliens anywhere. You know, it's hmm. like, it's this very diverse, motley-looking group. Um, and it's like, like okay, like, that's that's the resistance, where it's this very... It's diversity against homogeny, essentially, right? Where... Yeah. I mean, and, like, it's... And that's very American, too. Because, right. I mean, not... Like, a lot... The first thing that comes to mind, especially with the... I mean, the original Star Wars, A New Hope, he was drawing from World War II film... The uniforms of the Empire were definitely drawing from Nazi uniform and imagery. Right. But at the same time, it's, you know, 1776. America, with all of our, like, regular clothing and muskets and our yeah. home militias, versus the very regimented, very uniform British Army. I mean... Yeah. It, it, it's an American DNA. We love that little, you know, yeah, and you're kind underdog. Of, and all of these these movies are sort of mixing their metaphors with, you know, the Jedi are samurai who are fighting yeah. with the American revolutionaries against the Nazis. It really um, is a good amalgamation of ideas. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's cool. And 
I, I know I know for some people that's that that has that's been a big sticking point is I it, I mean I like it. I think it's I think it's something I think it's something that, that has become a part of Star Wars DNA. Um yeah, I mean, the, the only thing I'll say about it is with any piece of media, if, if with any piece of media, it's, it's all in how you execute it, and sometimes it's very obvious when it's like shoving your efforts right. to overcorrect, I'll call it. Yeah. Overcorrect in your face, and you okay, that still sounds very bad, but... Overcorrection is actually a good term because it's like it, it, it suddenly feels artificial. It feels staged. Right. It feels like you're too trying too hard, rather than letting it occur naturally. And I think I also I don't know because I've always had a weird background because in, it's like there there was an interview with um, Zoe Saldana mm-hmm. um, or Saldana. I, I don't know how to say it right. Um, someone asked her sometime after Guardians of the Galaxy, Star Trek, and stuff. They're like, "Why do you keep doing these these sci-fi and genre films? Why do you keep doing them?" And she says, "Because." And I imagine some people disagree based on the content of some of these films, but she said because it's the only genre where you can regularly be a woman and kick ass. <laughs> and that's one of the things like growing up with some of these media. Like, yes, going back there is a lot of problematic portrayals of women, and there's. Even yeah. in anime and stuff that I've grown up with. But at the same time, these are, in some cases, the most diverse and best representations as well. It's like a double-edged sword. Yeah. So, sometimes modern efforts feel too artificial because I can look back at characters that felt like real people. And felt real genuine. But, The Last Jedi, on the whole... I would say I am fine with. I think the issues are less the sociopolitical and more the this character's logic does not make too much yeah. sense. And if you want to, you can then take it. Like, like as I said, if we want to, we can take Rose's self-sacrifice moment to be something that you can view as a sexist thing. We now have the woman being overly emotional. You can view it that way. Right. If you want to destroy the character, or maybe I, I look bad because I could view it that way. I don't know. I, um, but that, that I mean, that's part of also like it's all like subjectivity in the eye of the beholder. All that. I mean, at some point, it's like, are you really seeing the movie, or are you just seeing right. what you want to see? I kind of right. Where at some point, you can twist anything around to say anything that you like, right? Yes. Where if you if you want this to be a political statement, you can take take any movie and you can say, well, this character is represents this and this character is this, and you can mash it all together and say something that the movie was never really trying to say. I've seen this in all kinds of, um, like for for example, um, the and I think. This is probably a fairly common one. People like to use the Matrix as sort of saying having like a Christian message, like mm, that, that. that you know, oh, like Neo's like Jesus, and he. Well, like, I mean, they kind of. Obviously, go for that. obviously, there's a right. Obviously, that's a that's like a trope, the whole Messiah trope, and they they did some the symbolism, the dying and the Especially resurrection in the and the third rising one. again. 
But, but then... I mean, I could start oh, pulling I mean, out I'm some of the obvious Particularly ones. the original Matrix. The first Matrix, right, okay. Right. Um, but at the same time, like, while, while the Wachowskis were using... You know the the trappings of a of a messiah allegory, whatever. There's not very much in that movie that actually is promoting any kind of Christian message. And that's and actually the irony because right. I know there is an anime I love called Trigun, where I do not believe whatsoever the creator had any sort of intention in mind. But I feel like you can get an actually pretty good Christian message out of it based off of what, you know, based off of yeah. my reading of the New Testament and based off of the main character's pacifism hmm. and his struggle to remain a pacifist when the rest of the world is trying to force him to break his code to kill. Um, that, that's essentially right. what, the, what the show is. And, but that's the thing. That's not what the creator intended. That's right. what I draw from it. And that is its own level of critical theory, like audience response, reader response. Um, I think to get to the, the, the more base point, though, it's like, what is the movie, like, what do we know that the movie is trying to do versus what can we read out of it? And right. what the movie is trying to do is make Star Wars for everyone, and it's trying to get rid of some of the bullcrap sacred cows. Yeah. Um, Did you just call Luke Skywalker a bullcrap sacred cow? Because I will break this beer bottle on your face. I called him whatever the four-boobed creature that he milked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I mean, speaking of things that felt so out of place to me, I don't know. See, watching that, that's another thing. That that whole sequence, the second time, it's like... Is it more uncomfortable or less uncomfortable? Because I'm sitting here like, this movie's for kids. I, I just thought it was I thought it was hilarious the second time because it's it's <laughs> it's, it's a little bit He looks so angry drinking that milk too. <laughs> He's like looking at him I have like, a, Yeah, I have to drink this every day. I've been I've been I've been I have that gif and I've been like <laughs> using it everywhere now. Um, <laughs> oh, Do man. you have the one with the lightsaber over the shoulder? I need that. I don't have that one. I'll get that <sighs> one for you. I'll find it. There's bootlegs everywhere and everyone's everyone's All got over the gifs. Yeah. But, but, yeah. Um, what, what were we even talking about at this point? At this point, I don't know. I think part of it was fear of having to, like, cover Oh, sacred cows. It was sacred cows. Sacred cows. We were talking about about killing sacred cows, and you, I was saying, you know, did you call Luke Skywalker a sacred cow? Yes. Um, and, and right. I think the movie, that's right. And what my concern here, though, is what I don't want to see happen is for... Disney to just turn this into a like every two years we're re- releasing another sequential Star Wars movie. We're like we're gonna get Episode Nine in two years, and then as I mean they've be- already confirmed it. We're well, getting- I know that that's that's good. I want I want Episode Nine, but what I don't want. Well, I mean 10, 11, 12. That's yeah, already I don't, confirmed. I don't want- well, is ten, eleven, twelve confirmed, or is another trilogy confirmed? Ryan Johnson is okay. Ryan Johnson doing another trilogy. Which is presumably 10, 11, 12. But just, see, there's a difference between Ryan Johnson doing a trilogy set 100 years in the future, Ryan Johnson doing a trilogy set 1,000 years in the past, and Ryan Johnson doing a trilogy that picks up with whatever whoever survives Episode 9 after the events of Episode 9 
and just continues the story like it's some kind of TV show that releases an episode every two years. I have no idea. See, that that's what I'm afraid of. I'm, I'm happy if they're going to release, you know, have Star Wars films in the Star Wars universe and create new characters and explore parts of Star Wars we haven't seen on screen before. I think that's a, I think that's cool. I would I'd like to see go back. Here's, here's my here was my pitch from this afternoon. <laughs> oh God! Take me back a thousand years. Oh God! And show me the founding of the Jedi Order as as it was in the Old Republic, and do it with a Knights of the Round Table sort of motif. Do we right? Need like a to? King King Arthur. Do we need that by way of the Jedi? Part of, okay, here's part of my issue with the way they're going about movies now. Rogue One wanted to make a, a war movie set in Star Wars, and that's cool. We already did our spoiler podcast about it. I got It's sort of a 50-50. I like it, but it's not great. There's something there that could have been better. Um, but now we've got the Han Solo movie, which is unceremoniously being released in May. And... I mean, Grant. So I just, Avengers. I just pour one out. Avengers always gets May f- the, the the free comic book day, which this year is May fourth. But that is kind of weird. It's like you are going to prioritize Avengers: Infinity War getting May fourth rather than giving May the fourth be with you to Han Solo. And we haven't even seen a trailer, and it's releasing this May. Yeah. They don't have faith in that already. I, Granted, I, I, I think they give it to the I, wrong people. I didn't think that was that was a movie. That was since we're just. Talking about Star Wars in general now, like do, uh, no, no, no. do we need a Han Solo movie? Do we need a Boba Fett no, movie? No. Do we need like that's the thing? Like, do we want movies in the Star Wars universe? I want someone that's got an idea and part to of- make something if they have it. But this is part of like why why is Ben Affleck no longer doing the Batman movie? Because he didn't like having to go by a schedule. He didn't like right. you need to have this movie come out by this day so that we and can that release forces, it for Christmas. And, and that's how you get so many people like like twenty people on a script, and it becomes a bit of a disjointed mess. Like you don't have something that it feels incredibly cohesive, incredibly well done. Um, some of the best movies. Are just like one guy doing multiple drafts so he can clear up what he wants to do. Right. And now it's everything's everything's on a schedule. Everything's got to be pumped out. We need to have these Star Wars movies. Like yeah. even even the original trilogy had like at least three years between each one, if not four. Right. Because you got it was like seventy seven, eighty one, eighty three, or eighty four, or something like that. I think so. Yeah, I think it was somewhere around yeah four four years. I think between a new hope right. and, and of course Empire. that was a, then three years between Empire and Jedi. And part of that was of course because nobody knew that a new hope was going to be a big deal. Um, and I think that's part of this. We've got this machine now, right? Where we're kind of we've got to see a little bit of how the sausage were made. Where we're learning that you know Ryan Johnson basically got J.J. Abrams' script while before. A Force Awake, the Force Awakens started shooting, and so he's writing the Last Jedi from there. But that's while, like from the there while the Force Awakens is shooting. And for example, like R two D two wasn't originally planned to be on the Millennium Falcon, but Ryan Johnson said, "Hey, I've got this great idea for a scene. Let's have R two D two play back. Help me, Obi Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope." To Luke Skywalker. So can we get R2-D2 on the Millennium Falcon? I forgot about that part of the movie. Right? Did you forget about that? It's a pretty good part of that. That's a good part. It was a really good idea. Um, It's a good part I completely forgot about. 
Yeah. Maybe but, we haven't discussed what we like about the movie enough. I don't know. That's uh, that's that's a possibility. We've been discussing a lot about the movie, its flaws, the structure, yeah. the the I mean, cultural the, context and all that. The last thing I really want, because it seems like people are mixed when it comes to, because, yeah, part of the point is, like, a lot of the characters failed, too. And that's... Um, and, th- see, my issue with the Casino Planet isn't that they failed, it's that it feels too prequel-ish. It's everything wrong with the prequels. Right. What made Star Wars great is how everything felt alien and familiar, like, Moss Eisley Cantina. What does that feel like to you? It feels like a cantina, but it feels like this alien place. It feels like exactly what it is—an alien, an alien bar of scum and villainy. Right. Like this is the happening place for bad dudes of the galaxy. Right. This is like going into like a nasty biker you, bar or something. Yeah. Like with its own like, and even the music like it, it doesn't necessarily just feel like anything you'll hear. Like it feels like yeah, this is happening. Like dive bar music but it feels I don't know that's happened in dive bar music but it, it was it was oh it was happening mo- music I was in 1977 too it was a little different but no but yeah it's it, and then we have a casino that is a literal basically effectively a modern day casino only there's aliens and tuxes you know what they should have they should have borrowed from are the Sonic the Hedgehog casino levels I think oh they should have tried to God. implement that in a Star Wars movie uh, is this the new Witcher 3? You're going to mention Sonic every podcast? <laughs> Man, I didn't mention The Witcher at all. A Star Wars game. <laughs> oh, God. In the style of The Witcher 3. No. You're a Jedi. Oh, you go, God. No, this is, this is perfect. You're, you're, Look, we got to wrap up soon. Do you really want to waste time on this? Wait, wait, give, give, me, give me a minute for my pitch here. No, right. no more so beers for you before we <laughs> The Witcher 3... In concept, it's a game where you're this witcher, right? You're these sort of, like, ancient, somewhat feared, um, powerful warriors that go around and you solve problems for people while you're trying to sort of unravel a larger mystery. Uh, so how did Obi-Wan and Attack of the Clones, only a wider scale and a Knights of right. the Old Republic era. But, like, think about that. Think about a movie where, where instead of there's, there's these sort of, there's maybe, like, three discrete... Look, okay... I get sick because you can fight giant uh, Star Wars monsters. Okay, fine. I give it to you. It's a neat idea. Now, let's move on then. Cause Things again, we like, liked about The Last Jedi. Yes, because uh, the, the casino level is basically just the last one where it's like, well, not casino level, but casino sequence. Like, I just don't... Make this casino feel less, less modern. Make it feel more like a Star Wars. Right, rather than, right, rather than where Moss Eisley felt... Alien, alien, and familiar. Even Cloud City. City. Canto Bite felt like someplace familiar, populated by aliens. I think that was that was the difference, right? And it makes it very. It feels more B movie than it should. Like that yeah. was the beauty well, that of was Star the Wars. Right? Is that Star Wars was theoretically a B movie, but it had great uh, great people on its team to make it look like it was a, higher, a lot higher budget. Yeah. Um, then yet when you make Canto Bite, it looks B movie. Um, Agreed. It looks like Lex, but regardless of any of that, um, things that I liked was I did like. Honestly, I liked Luke. I like Luke in this. I, there are I, some people that say it's not my Luke, but it's like, look, he couldn't have been your Luke. Firstly, forty years, like thirty or forty years have passed, well, man. And also, I think, I think the fact is, from a plot integrity perspective, this is a Luke Skywalker who, if he were your Luke. He would have known that Han Solo was about to die. 
Would you think would your Luke would have intervened and saved Han Solo? But this you needed. A, you know what I'm saying? Your Luke. This is not the end of Revenge of the Sith, where it's Obi Wan and Yoda against impossible odds and hopeless, and all they can do is hope for the next generation. Like there was so Luke hiding like that doesn't make any sense unless he's not your Luke anymore. And the moment Something he lit up that changed him. the moment he lit up that lightsaber was he, the moment he stopped being that Luke, right? And Luke, and I actually like it too because Luke. One of the things about Luke's character is he was always teetering between light and dark. Um, he ultimately chose light, but that he could have another moment because you never stop being challenged in life. You never stop right. growing. So, I I think arguments were like, oh, it's not about like, man. People become old curmudgeons. They weren't always curmudgeons. People are not the same. Like, that's a long time to live. Think about all the great bands that were these terrible, terrible albums. That's that's Luke there. Jeez. <laughs> and another thing on, on the Luke note that I liked, something I, I didn't notice until this, the second viewing, is the... And this is kind of on a Ray note, too. Um, what does Ray see when she goes into the dark side cave? Her se- okay, I get it. Yeah, she sees what himself. Is Luke, and now, but and Luke Ray. sees himself, but Luke sees himself in Darth Vader. Like, Luke's is a premonition of the dark side. Ray just sees herself in herself. Luke sees... Ray is exactly who she is. Right, She's where, no one special. Right, where Luke is still has this struggle. That's good. That's good. That's that's very good. Yeah, and I thought that was like... It was subtle. It didn't... The movie didn't smack you over the head with it. But when, especially when you look back at, at Luke in the same experience, essentially, I think there's, there's... They're being creative. Like, even if they are hitting the same notes, they are being creative. Oh, I do have one more negative I gotta mention, which is... Uh, even though I like everything surrounding, um, like, Kylo's turn, uh, Snoke, in that moment, before he gets killed... Turn your lightsaber. Turn your lightsaber to your most vague description of your true enemy. <laughs> and it's like, are, are you kidding me right now? Like, I remember <laughs> sitting in the theater and being like, is this real dialogue? Did, this, did somebody let this fly? Did nobody That's on what Kylo set, Ren is thinking. He's thinking nobody, so hard. Did He's nobody thinking, on set. destroy my true enemy with my lightsaber. Remember, remember this episode of Darkwing Duck? Well, Did you ever watch could, Darkwing Duck? Yes. There was this one episode with this ray that if you got blasted with it, it made you really smart. As long as you weren't thinking when it blasted you. And so, and so whatever character it is, is about to shoot himself with it. He's going, I am not thinking, I am not thinking, I am not thinking. That's Kylo Ren right there. He's like, I am <laughs> true the is, enemy, true again, enemy. This, this, this is a moment, and I, and I hate to bring up, like, in comparison to a prequel, but we already have Palpatine as an example. Like, yes, I can feel your anger. Have Snoke doing that shit. I can feel the anger. Strike right. her down. And then... He gets cut in half, and it's like, oh shit, wrong anger. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. But I, I, but could have been executed better. I think the whole the whole idea was good, but right, the execution was a little off. But something you disagreed with me on, uh, well, we, we disagreed on because you were big on the 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 overly choreographed fights of the prequels because you wanted to see something like that. I liked the more raw feeling fights, especially when people pointed out that yes. No no lightsabers touch. And that's one of the things 
that pissed me off about the prequels and what happened to the fandom is there was more interesting things than just lightsabers and force powers in the original trilogy. Like, Star Wars is more than Jedi, and yet somehow everything's got to be about being a Jedi and having a lightsaber. And this, I mean, it, it focused on... It focused on a lot of stuff that was, n- like, neither of those. Yeah. Star Wars is about more than just the Force again. Star Wars is about more than just lightsabers again. Fights felt more real. Yeah, I, I, I will... There, there was something... I think... Also, I, I watched, the, I've watched also, enough, let's face it, these characters are also not, technically not the Master Jedi. Right, so, so for example, according to the various various canon extended materials, Blah. Obi-Wan is supposed to be essentially the greatest lightsaber duelist ever. He's considered to be the greatest lightsaber duelist ever. Um, think about his record real quick. Um he, well, he still got both hands. So there you go. He, he still has both hands. <laughs> um, killed Darth Maul. Um, was involved in was a, uh, involved in the duel where Darth Tyrannus is killed. Killed Darth Vader. So he how many other how many other Jedi have been involved in the oh didn't kill Darth Vader almost killed Darth Vader. How many other Jedi... Well, he also... He, he did not lose a hand against Dooku. Right. And he, the only reason he lost was he because he... Grievous. He was protecting... Oh, defeated Grievous. Grievous, Maul, Vader, um, Tyrannus. So, yeah, okay, okay. So I how many canonically other, why he would... How many he's, other... He's, he's right. high enough in level from his experience. Right. How many other... Actually, think about this. How many other Jedi in the movie have beaten more than one Sith Sith? Yeah, I could say okay, fine. Anakin, I'll give it to you. Anakin. So, anyway, but there, there, there are discussions. Anyway, so what we've done though is we've gone from movies about and the prequels about the greatest Jedi duelist to ever live, and two kids who like have have ass training, have ass training, but just have a lot of a lot of talent. raw talent and energy. And so I get, I get that scene. I. Rewatching the prequels gave me a real, especially in a in um in Revenge of the Sith, the the lightsaber fights in Revenge of the Sith are a lot of people still saw them as being big and flashy. They're not they're not like the the Phantom Menace. The Phantom Menace is a lot of swinging in air. In Revenge of the Sith, they actually took time to. Isn't it the one where they literally twirl their blades around each other? Without making contact. Okay, there's there's a little bit of, of flashiness, but for example, the fight against the fight. I, I don't care that we're off topic here. <laughs> watch the fight against um, General Grievous, and then watch it again. Because the first time you watch it, you're like, okay, dude, General Grievous has like four lightsabers, and he's spinning them so fast, and I don't know what's gonna happen to Obi Wan. There's no way he can win. I don't know how he's gonna do this. Obi Wan just picks him apart piece by piece. Oh, there goes one of your hands. Oh, there goes another one of your hands. Oh, there goes another one of your hands. You better get out of here. And it's not until the fight moves away from the lightsaber fighting that Grievous has any advantage at all in the fight. And so I feel like that was actually a really cool thing to do to demonstrate the character and other things. And so I guess I would have liked... Maybe there was some of that in, like, you know, the Kylo Ren igniting the lightsaber through the guy's face. 
Like maybe that was, that was a little bit of like a character. Maybe thing. this just depends on what kind of action you like. Because like I always really loved Predator Two, even though it's a really cheesy movie. Um, and I know everyone like thinks it's crap compared to Predator One, but I always really loved Predator Two because both uh, was Danny Glover or Donald Danny, Donald Glover's Danny Glover. Dan, yeah. So Danny Glover and the Predator are constantly speaking of people getting their hands chopped off are constantly having to adapt their strategies. Gears getting broken, they're getting busted up, they're getting mm-hmm. hurt, they have to keep adapting. So if I see like two ca- like characters that are losing their weapons that are clearly not always like and it, yeah, because like, when it's over, like when it's like just kung fu, like, kung fu is really cool. Actually, no, even like what makes a good Ch- Jackie Chan movie? He's, he's not always, always in his hurt. element. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's always ma- he's, he's always mistakes. adapting There's, and improvising. You know, I think so. That's what I like I, in a good fight scene, and I feel like Star Wars has been light on that. And that's why I like the fight scenes in the Last Jedi. And, but I'll go with that. And speaking of things we liked, I I just especially the second time. Love, love, love Luke, Luke's confrontation, Luke taking a laser sword and facing down the whole First Order, um, and, and his confrontation with, with Kylo Ren. That really hit me the second time, where that's what he does, right? He tells Rey, what do you expect me to do? Walk out there with a laser sword and face down the whole First Order? And, and what does he, he do? He literally does that. He literally does that. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the movie. <laughs> And I thought it was, it was a really it was a really cool way to that is really good to oh. do that and and the whole scene the the I just it was the way that they won you know the music that was I think the musical moment of the movie the it's and then just the way they they telegraphed it so hard they make a big deal of everyone else on this planet leaves these bright red footprints and all this other stuff. They, and he's so not leaving. He any. doesn't leave any. First, he did. First, it does a close up on his feet as he does not disturb the ground as he's walking out of the bunker. And at uh, first, you could think he's just an he, awesome Jedi guy. Then he lights up a lightsaber that you just watched get destroyed on screen. The Kylo and Ren his hair is his younger hair, kind of. Well, thing. right, yeah, that was kind of like a weird thing at first, right? Is, is yeah, but he's well, it's, like, it's like one of those things. Like, why does his hair look like that? Oh, whatever. Why does he look so much thinner? Oh, uh, he's like he just put on a girdle. Also, I was distracted because at first I thought like. Oh my god, he really survived all those layers. Like, what, what, what are the Jedi are so overpowered? I'm so sick of Star Wars. And then afterward, it's like, oh wait, he wasn't really right. there. And oh, then, okay. It's like, like the thing they do with so the first time they, they like him and Kylo like clash, um, the which was that was a really cool like ninja like katana type duel because you're familiar with katana dueling, supposedly. The swords are never supposed to clash. We're at over an hour, man. We got. I don't care. Uh, Katana's. The swords are not supposed. I gotta to, edit to this. Clash. <laughs> <laughs> You're just supposed to be able to 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 land the killing blow, and that's it. But anyway, they cross, and Kylo Ren sweeps his foot, and he leaves this big dramatic red streak in the ground. And then they do it again, and Luke Skywalker sweeps his foot. Right where nothing he, happens. Nothing happens, huh? Um. And so, just so it gives you enough tells within the fight, if you're paying attention, that you're like, "Yeah, something's not right here." And we and already know about projection because the movie established. It's already established projection. They already established that projection would kill you. Um, well, could kill you. Could kill you. 
Kylo Ren, oh, you couldn't be doing this, it would kill you. Um, that's my best Kylo Ren impersonation. <laughs> I Right now I have my, my pants up to my nipples and no shirt on. Oh, God. Um, and, um... Yeah, I, I think that's my that's my favorite my favorite part of the movie is that is Luke's redemption, and then the fact that now this story has gone around the galaxy, nobody knows that wasn't Luke, that wasn't really Luke there. Nobody knows Luke died on Octu. They think that Luke he, died on that planet on crate facing down the whole First Order by himself and saving the Resistance. And now he becomes the legend that he, he technically be, like right what the fans of Star Wars have made him out to be right. Um, and on that note, that's Jedi. I mean, it was all right. This podcast <laughs> was the legend no, all along. No, shut up. No, it wasn't. <laughs> no more beer. No more beer. Like, you had one. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> But, alright, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, hey, Star Wars The Last Jedi, it was alright. I liked it. I didn't hate it. I don't think it's the greatest. I mean, I'm, I'm more likely to buy it than any of the prequels, and I'm more likely to buy it than The Force Awakens. I might be more likely to buy Rogue One. I yeah. don't know. I don't I know. They're two very different I, I, Honestly, I'm not gonna... I feel like I shouldn't buy any of these movies until they oh, have the, a box the trilogy. set. Yeah, the box set. I, I, but... Um, for the episodes one through nine box set that is like especially because you know what no then it'll be all digital by that no it won't be yeah this will, regardless, some regardless. Kind of regardless regardless buy it uh, you, I, you, I give you, it you, you really liked it I really liked it especially on the second viewing I give it two out of two broken halves of a lightsaber okay um I mean I understand <laughs> it's just okay um <laughs> But no, otherwise, uh, yeah, hopefully... There's still a broken lightsaber. I mean, hopefully nothing we... I mean, I like to think we're we're, we're, we're decently middle ground on things. Like, I'd, I'd ho- like to hope we didn't piss anyone off of this. Like, we, we don't... Maybe we should... Maybe people. we should... Maybe we should try to piss people off. No. <laughs> that goes nowhere good. All right. No, not even going to pimp any of our other stuff. All right. Have a good one. Have a good night. Have a good night.